0: Hey, my name's Adam and I am the West Shore Campus Pastor here at Coastline Church on beautiful Vancouver Island. Welcome to our podcast. All the content that you will find here is meant to point you to Jesus and encourage you in your journey wherever it is that you find yourself. So thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy the message. Everyone. Welcome to church. Good to have you here. Uh, as uh, Emily said earlier, I am the West Shore campus pastor with my wife, Sandy. Um we were actually twinning. We didn't even mean to do it. This morning, we wore almost the same outfit. And so it's uh, really weird um, wearing the same clothes as your wife. We, we share the same clothes. Just kidding. It's kind of weird. I just made this weird for no reason. There you go. You're wearing my shirt. That's what's happening. I don't wear her shirts, but she wears my shirts. And uh, we'll, go, we'll, we'll just leave it there. And, uh, uh, <laughs> not that shirt. Not that shirt. Not that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 can you please stand up? You're killing me here. Yeah, this, this orange shirt is not my shirt. Uh, that one is my shirt. Thank you for clarifying. Now I can walk out of here feeling, feeling better. Oh my word. This is so great. I'm I'm glad that you're here this morning. Um. Shandy and I had the craziest experience the other day, and by the other day, I mean like a year ago. Anybody else do that sometimes? But so, so the other day, we had this experience where we went, and we went on the ferry, and we were taking the ferry to Salt Spring Island. Who's been to Salt Spring Island? It's great. We love Salt Spring Island. So here we are. We're taking the ferry to Salt Spring Island. We got our kids with us. We're on the ferry, and all of a sudden, as we're walking around the deck, because you got your cars there, and you're walking outside, you're looking at the water, this lady catches my eye. And she she starts walking over to me as if she recognizes me, and I'm trying to pinpoint where she's from. And I'm thinking, is she from the church? Is she somebody I cut off in the car? So I'm like like, why, why is she looking at me so intently? And she she kind of beelines to me, and I'm trying to trying to figure out. oh, dear Jesus, please, who is this lady? And trying trying to remember who she is. And as as she comes up to me, she's got these big big eyes, and she says, "Honey," and she opens her arms like this. And I'm thinking, I have no idea who this lady is. And I say, hi. And she comes to me and she wraps her arms around me. And she says, it's been so long, Jonathan. I'm so happy to see you. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, oh my word, what do, what do I do? And she says, don't you recognize me? It's your Mom. And here I am, I'm standing there, Shandy's watching, my kids are watching, their mouths are dropping to the floor. It's like, that's not grandma! And she's sitting there, and she's saying, don't you recognize me? It's your mom! And I'm like, I don't, I'm not, hi, hi, and I'm panicked. Hi, Mom! And I give her a hug. And so she hugs me, I hug her, and then I, then I kind of explain. I'm like, no, I'm sorry, you, you must be confused. My name's Adam, this is my wife. And she says, oh, I, I'm so sorry. And, and she walks away, and, 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 and there was that moment. <laughs> and then the ferry gets ready to dock. And we go over to get into the van. And I check my pockets. My wallet's gone. That sneaky lady. And so, so then I'm thinking, okay, where is she? And so I'm walking up and down the aisles, looking at all the cars, trying to find this lady. And finally, I get to this, this one, one little white kind of Corolla-looking car, and I, and I knock on the window. And I say, uh, hi, excuse me, it's me, John. Can you open the door, Mom? And, and so she opens the door. She says, I'm sorry, what, what are you asking me? And I said, um, I think you may have taken my wallet. And do you know what she does? Guards, help, somebody, somebody help. He's trying to steal my wallet. And I'm thinking, what? How is this even happening right now? No, you stole my wallet. You're blaming me to steal that. I stole your wallet. All of a sudden, all these fairy workers come along. There's me and this old lady looking like we're going to show down right in front of everybody. I said, let me see inside your purse. I'm thinking to myself, I really hope she has my wallet. (laughs) (laughs) She said, I don't have anything. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. Ma'am, let me look inside your purse. And finally, everybody's standing there and say, okay, uh, show us your purse. And I reach inside of her purse, and I pull out a big pile of fake news. Complete make-believe. It was all a lie. I made up the whole story. None of that even happened. I, I didn't. I didn't meet this lady. That, like I didn't even go to Salt Spring the other day. That, that didn't even happen. I tricked you. I got you. You didn't even know. And I want to speak on something today. I had you. I want to speak on dishonesty because there's something fascinating about dishonesty. You can't always tell when it's happening. You can get bought in, and you can get captivated by a story. Sometimes you get captivated by your own story. Sometimes you can get so deep into the lie, so deep into the moment, that you start to forget what is true, what is reality, what is them, what is me, what is right, what is wrong, what is false, what is true. Dishonesty can be a very sneaky dangerous thing. And as we step into the book of Acts, chapter 5, oh my word has one of the most powerful stories about truth that, that, that you will ever come to read. But before we get to chapter five, I want to read for you Acts chapter 4 verse 32. It says these words, we need to set a little bit of the stage so that we're on all on the same page. The words will be on the screen. If you have your Bibles with you, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. This is what it says in verse 32. All the believers were united in heart and mind. And they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared every single thing that they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon all of them. In other words, God was moving in the church. People were excited in the church. The church was alive. It was an exciting time to be a Christian. Like, wow, God is moving. God is real. Not not that much unlike what is happening here right now. Verse 34. "There, There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them what a powerful thought what a powerful picture they would sell their homes and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need for instance there was there was joseph dum, dum, dum. for instance there was joseph the one the apostles nicknamed barnabas which means son of encouragement he was the from the tribe of levi dum, dum, dum. everybody put your phones in your pockets he was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He, told, he sold a field that he owned, and he brought the money to the apostles. And this is a powerful, powerful picture. You see, Joseph, the one they call Barnabas, he was the man. Like, imagine living a life so compelling, so so vibrant that you get a shout-out in the Bible. Like, you're living a life, a Christian faith, that is so generous, so authentic, that even the disciples, they got nicknames for you. Like, that would have been awesome. Barnabas was crushing it as a Christian. And I've noticed something very fascinating over the years. When when God elevates a person, people start to emulate the person when god elevates somebody people tend to emulate that somebody and this is incredibly dangerous because at the end of the day a person's calling is unique like if you if you try to stand on someone else's platform like your character may not actually be able to sustain the weight because that platform was never actually created for you. It was was connected to somebody else. And so what often happens is we see God moving in somebody's life, and we say to ourselves, wow, that's a picture of what it means to be a super Christian. I will, in turn, try and do everything I can to be just like them. And the problem with that is it will always leave you feeling empty. I'm not saying don't be inspired by people. I'm not saying don't have mentors. What I'm saying is much deeper than this. If if our church, if our community, if our world is not a better place, like, like our world isn't better if everybody looks like me. Or our world isn't better if everybody starts looking like Josh. It might be better if everyone looked like Shandy gotcha. But we're not supposed to imitate people, right? We're supposed to imitate Christ. And somewhere along the line, I don't know if it's that we get lazy and we say, oh, that's easier. It's easier to be like him than it is to be like him. (laughs) But we're not supposed to try and be like others because imitation has limitations, You will never be fulfilled if you can't learn to embrace who you are and how God has wired you specifically. God didn't need you. He didn't create you to to, to be a a less awesome version of another person. He created you and knit you together to be exactly who you are. It's one thing to be inspired by, by Barnabas. It's another thing to try and be Barnabas. Imitation, in a lot of ways, we have these inflatable kayaks, and uh, one of our three inflatable kayaks has a hole in it, and so I always like to give that one to the kids. Um, just kidding. I'm not a terrible dad. Actually, I totally give it to them. They're lighter. I'll sink that thing way faster, but, but one of them has a hole in the kayak, and that, that kayak that has the hole in it, it can still get you from point A to point B, but you're never fully confident. Like you never really know if you're going to make it all the way because you know that you're constantly deflating. And that same principle happens when we try and be somebody else. Like like we never fully feel secure in our identity because we 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 we're we're kind of we got we got holes in it and we're and we're leaking. And we pretend and tell ourselves, no, 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 I am just like that person. Therefore, I am a good person. I am a Christian. Look how great I am. But we are selling ourselves short in that process. Imitation has limitations. And what we're going to look at together today is the power that dishonesty can have on a person. In fact, my sermon is entitled, Dishonesty is Deadly. And so if you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 5 is where we're going to begin. There was this certain man named Ananias with his wife, Sapphira, and they sold some property. Great. That's awesome. Way to go. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount, and with his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Let's just stop right there. He sells some property, he brings the money to the apostles, and he says, this is all the money. But what he actually did is he put a little bit of money on the side for himself, and his wife's like, is this cool? Yeah, this is cool. Let's do it. You see, dishonesty, number one, if you're taking notes, dishonesty is subtle, Dishonesty is subtle. Nobody wins when you pretend to be somebody that you're not. Ananias, in many ways, what he did is he, he tried to be like Barnabas. He did the noble thing. I mean, the guy, he, he, he sold his own property. That's absolutely amazing. He sold his property and he gave it to the church, and that's incredible. That's noble. That's great. But Ananias was dishonest. He he projected himself to be to be better than he was. He painted a picture that didn't tell the full truth about himself. He lied to the apostles to make himself look better. He didn't trust God with his provision. So he didn't trust God, that God is his provider. He didn't trust God, that, that if he were to give it all, everything will, be, God will make it all come together. So you see, he held some back for himself, just, just, just in case. You see, Ananias' sin wasn't that he didn't give 100% of his sales profit. Ananias' sin was that he was dishonest. That he didn't do what he said that he did. Verse three. So in verse three, it says these words. It says, then Peter said, (laughs) Ananias, why, why have you let Satan fill your heart? He lied to the Holy Spirit, and you kept some of the money for yourself. This property was yours to sell or not to sell as you wished. Nobody told you to do this, is what he's saying. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. Nobody told you that you had to give your money away. But how could you do something like this? You weren't lying to us, Ananias. You were actually lying to God. So number one, dishonesty is subtle. Number two, I'm going to use some stronger language here, but dishonesty is demonic. If you want to look like the devil the best way to do that is to be dishonest. If you want to look like the devil, the best way to do that is to pretend to be something or be someone that you are not. John 8, 44 says this about the devil. It says, the devil is a liar and the father of lies. So when we are dishonest, we are in the devil's likeness. And We don't often look at it like that. This is a little untruth. It's just—it's just—it's just a—it's just, it's just, just, just a little little thought. I still gave eighty percent away. Who cares, right? It's amazing how we can distort things. You can trick yourself into pretending that you're somebody that you're not. You can trick your spouse. You can trick your friend. You can trick your pastor, but you can't trick God. And this is what the devil loves to do. He loves to trap people right there. To distract you from being who it is that God created you to be. If he can just convince you to to try and imitate somebody else. To try try and live in somebody else's shoes. Then he doesn't actually have to convince you to do a whole bunch of crazy things. He just has to distract you from the calling that God has already laid out for your life. this can be so subtle, so dangerous. Imitation has limitations. And when we try and imitate somebody, when we try and just be somebody that we're not, it puts these limits on us. We can't find freedom like that. Verse five, as soon as Ananias heard these words, He fell to the floor and he died. Everyone who heard about this was terrified, rightly so. That would have been crazy to see. Then some young men got up. The youth group, thanks for Reed, and the youth group, they got up. They wrapped him in a sheet and they took him out and they buried him. Number three, dishonesty is dangerous. I mean, this little story here would make the best bedtime story if you're trying to get your kids to stop lying. It would work really great. Don't lie, little Thomas, or you will die, just like Ananias. Acts chapter 5, verse 4, right? right? It can be actually very helpful if you're, if you're a horrible parent, but, but it, it, could, it could definitely work. Here's the tragic irony, though. This, this part is just, it's just the worst. The act that Ananias thought would bring him honor. I'm going to sell my property and give it to the church. Just like Barnabas. Hey everybody, look what I did. The act that Ananias thought would bring him honor inevitably brought his destruction. So be careful. Because this trap is so easy to fall into when we get our blinders on. And try and project as though we're somebody that we're not. Verse seven. About three hours later, his wife comes in. Not knowing what had happened, Peter asked her, "Hey, um, Sapphire, I got I got a, I got a question for you. Um, was this the price that your husband received for the land?" "Oh, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yes, it was," she replied. "That was the price." Verse four. I mean, number four, point four. Dishonesty gives a sense of false security. You see, you think you're helping the situation, but dishonesty can't actually solve another person's problems. Simply put, you you you, no matter how good your intentions may be, you cannot protect somebody by trying to cover up their sin for them. The only solution to a person's sin is Christ. Nobody wins. Nobody wins when we're dishonest with God. Verse 9. Peter said, How could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door. They will carry you out too. And instantly, she fell to the floor and died. When the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear, naturally, no kidding. Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened number 5 dishonesty is subtle dishonesty is demonic dishonesty is something else dishonesty is a false security number 5 dishonesty is contagious dishonesty has has strings attached when we're dishonest with god other people get hurt and I want to close this morning, I want to land this plane by asking a question. And I want you to, to think about it. Be honest. I don't want to carry you out of here in a bag. <laughs> Just kidding. That's a really, that's a really distasteful joke. <laughs> oh, Lord, forgive me. Here's my question for you. Is there something in your life that you're being dishonest about, Raymond? Why don't, you, why don't you come on up? Help me with this awkward silence I've created. Is there something in your life that you're being dishonest about? You see, we can we can leave here different than the way that we came in. As I as I kind of mentioned at the beginning this morning. Your level of expectation today is the greatest limiter of what God wants to do in your life. And if you expect to come to church and just rip out of here and go grab lunch, you could, you could leave the same way that you came in. But if there's a part of you where you're like, you know what, wow, okay, I didn't expect this to get so serious so quick. When we come into the presence of God, we can leave changed. Listen, if you've got something that you that you're being dishonest about, I'm not going to ask you to come up and tell us what that thing is. But I am going to th- reference back to Acts chapter 3, verse 19. And in Acts chapter 3, verse 19, it says, now, Repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. That's powerful. Some of you have been looking for refreshment in all the wrong places. You've been desperately trying to find a way to find life again, to make sense of who you are, make sense of who God is, to make sense of what this, why, why, why is this the story of my life right now? You've been hiding from God. Maybe you've been feeling bad or you've been feeling ashamed, you've been feeling feeling guilty, trying, trying to fix yourself so that you can come come back to him, pretending that you're doing better than you are so that maybe nobody else will notice how hard things have been for you. Friends, that, that's not how this Christian thing is supposed to work. You don't have to come through those doors and be dishonest and pretend that you're doing better than you are. You don't win by saying, okay, God, I am I, I'm, I'm now gonna be, be better and, 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 and not deal with my own stuff It's not how this works. Dishonesty will never bring you closer to God. You can tell yourself you don't have anything to deal with. But just avoiding a problem doesn't actually mean that it's solved. This morning, I want us to pray through Acts 3.19 together. There's no repentance without honesty. So, I invite you just to close your eyes with me. Trying to ignore the person beside you and what's going on. I want you to experience times of refreshment with the Lord today. So, let's, let's pray. Lord, together we come before you. recognize that you see our heart. You see the things deep down. You see who we are. You see the stuff that we pretend isn't there. Lord, we don't want to walk through this anymore by ourselves. So collectively and personally, we come before you and we repent. Whatever that issue is, I invite you just to just confess that to God. Jesus, would you be the Lord of our lives? Would you help us to see ourselves the way you see us? Would you help us to be men and women who, who, who walk by faith and, and not just by sight? Would you help us, God, to be honest? honest with who we are. Because Jesus, we need you. Amen. I want to read one more piece of scripture. As we were prepping for today, God kept bringing me back to to Mark, the book of Mark. And there's this very fascinating story I want to read for you. This is in Mark chapter 8, verse 23. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Then then spitting on the man's eyes, it's gross, he laid his hands on him and he asked, can you see anything now? And the man looked around. This man who was blind, he looks around. He'd just been prayed for by Jesus. He'd just come into contact with Jesus. He just had a moment with Jesus, very similar to what we just had. He looks around. He says, yes, I can see. And everyone in the crowd, (laughs) yeah. I see people. But I can't see them very clearly, he says. They look like trees walking around. And I just wanted to stop there and acknowledge that it takes honesty and courage to admit before Jesus that you still can't clearly see clearly after you've been prayed for. I want to encourage you not to settle. Not to just leave here feeling discouraged. You see, the scope of your freedom is directly related to the scope of your honesty. And we can have this moment with God and say, Yeah, you know what? That was good. Adam tricked me with that first story, and that was funny, and this worked out, and this is great, and I feel something and go home. But we never actually got to that deeper layer of prayer. Verse 25. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again. And it says that his eyes were opened. It says that his sight was completely restored. And he could see everything clearly. Had that man not had that honest moment before God, he would have walked the rest of his life thinking that he could see only when he saw people that looked like trees. He wouldn't even have known. But he went deeper, vulnerably. He said, Okay, God, I I, I I I need you to pray again because I need to see clearer. There's there's freedom in the light. And I wanted to share something with you today that I really didn't want to share with anybody. And I've been I've been I've been keeping a secret. And I thought that I was doing a really good job of keeping my secret until Shandy came to me one day. And she said, Adam, you're not doing well. You need to go to a doctor. And I got to this place where I was sad all the time. And I was still still praising God. I was still doing church services. I was still preaching bangers. But I was dying inside. And so she gave me courage to go see a doctor and see a counselor and start medication. And for two months, I've been taking medicine help me with anxiety and and depression. I really didn't want to tell any of you. But as I was preparing this sermon tonight, for today, I just felt the Holy Spirit saying, Adam, there are people who are walking through hard times and your honesty is going to be what's going to help them see me clearer. Because you can't just pretend That everything is good. You need, you need to be honest with God. So I want to invite you to stand. I want to pray one more time. I'll invite the band back up. But let's close our eyes together. God is so good so thankful for who he is and what he's doing in my life and there is freedom where there is honesty so between you and the Lord right now we just prayed that God would forgive us of our sins but I want to invite you to pray a deeper prayer to be very honest before the Lord and to invite God into your secret place, like the the spot where you're, you're too ashamed to lift your hand up. Invite God into that space. Lord, in this moment, from this posture, we pray for your spirit to come just as your spirit is present in this space, I pray that Holy Spirit, you be present in our emotions. That you be present in our fears. That you'd be present in our insecurities. That you'd be present in our shame. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would be present in our guilt. I pray that you'd be present in our homes. God, I pray that as we leave here today, that we would sense that you are present even in our darkest space. And God, we pray for light. Jesus, we invite you in. as a bunch of imperfect people coming to worship a very perfect God. Lord, we want a taste of heaven in our lives. And thank you that that is possible. So, Jesus, we thank you for victories. We thank you for new life. We thank you for second chances. We thank you for medication and good doctors. We thank you, Lord, for freedom. We thank you, Lord, for breakthrough. We thank you, Lord, for restoration. We thank you, Lord, for transformation. We thank you, Lord, where there is darkness, there can be light. We thank you, Lord, where there is fear, there can be hope. We thank you, Lord, where there is no way, you make ways. You make bridges where there's walls, and you make people come alive. So, Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for what you're going to do. And we just come to you in worship right now. Because, Father God, you are here, you are real, and we praise you, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you that you are good. In your name we pray, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Let's worship together.